Last week I started a series uh, on on discipleship and kind of flipped some things around because of the holiday weekend and stuff. But I want to kind of just continue where we left off last week, which was in uh, Matthew 11, which I know I sent you to Luke 9, so you just stay there. We'll, we'll put it on the screen. Um, this idea that, that Jesus invites us to uh, into this relationship with him that is a lot more than just saving you from an eternity in hell. Uh, it's just, it's so much more to it. And so let's, let's look at what these, what these verses have to say. Um, in, this is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that verse in 29, that's kind of the big idea over the next few weeks where Jesus says to, he invites us to come to him and to learn from him. And so I brought, last week I brought this yoke, um, which is uh, stupidly heavy, um, but I'm going to try to hold it as long as, as, long as I can. Uh, and uh, so this, this was um, used at one point, uh, we believe, uh, where you have two animals and you yoke them together, you put a, uh, a seasoned veteran animal in one side, you put a less experienced rookie animal in the other, and they, they have to work together, but the rookie learns from the veteran. And that's, so it's an instrument of work and labor. It's an instrument, instrument of teaching and learning. It's an instrument of uh, discipline. It is one of submission and authority. There's a lot that's to this, and... For Jesus to use this uh, would have made a lot more sense to them probably than to us. But this kind of gives you a visual. And so I'm going to kind of work off this visual for the next few weeks. Um, and the idea that when Jesus says, he says, come to me, um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's saying that he is the, he's the veteran seasoned um, part of this deal. And we are the rookies who have a lot to learn. So he's saying, take my yoke, take my discipline, my structure, my mindset, my everything. Uh, get into this yoke with me and learn from me, and I'll teach you. And that's what we're looking at, is what is, what is real discipleship? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to encompass not only uh, how this happens directly with Christ, but also how we learn from each other as well. And so that's kind of where, where we're going is in some situations, uh, we're talking about Jesus is in one side, you're in the other side. And in other situations, it's going to be someone, uh, someone in the family is teaching you how to do something that you don't know how to do. So maybe it's someone that's older than you that you're learning from. Maybe it's a peer of yours who's been through something that you haven't been through. Maybe it's someone younger than you who, ha- who understands something that you just still don't understand uh, they have a, a passion that you just can't really, you're just not there and you want to learn from them. It's not about age. Uh, and it's not, uh, it's m- much more about experience than it is about, um, you know, someone who is this age mentoring someone who's this age. And so you're looking to someone who is more of an expert than you are. And so we learn directly from Jesus. He says, come to me. Um, all who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon you. That's an invitation not only uh, to 
know him as Savior, but also as Lord. So he does that uh, directly, but he also, he, he teaches us indirectly through each other. And so both of those things are gonna, we're going to talk about, both, both uh, scenarios with the yoke. You're yoked with Jesus or you're yoked with someone else in the family, always learning, and he's the one that's doing the teaching, whether it's directly or indirectly. It all comes from him. Um, and so the, for tonight, we're going to look at Luke chapter 9, uh, because we need to know exactly what, what this in, like entails, uh, if Jesus says, come take my yoke upon you, then we need, we need to know what that, what that means before we do that. And some of you are saying, wait a minute, I've been a Christian for a long time. So, okay, it's, it's not too late to adjust your understanding of what that means. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different ways that people present the gospel. And, uh, when you look back over the last several decades, there's some, some interesting trends in like American Christian culture that, uh, you know, some of them are good, some of them are not so good. Uh, it's proof, really, that God can use anything. He can use, like, the weirdest gospel presentation of all time to lead people to him. It doesn't have to be perfect and flawless, but um, there, was a, there was something that, that went on years ago, um, and it was, um, it was this dramatic production that was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Raise your hand if you've ever been to a Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames deal. Okay, so a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Um, so this, this traveling uh, drama troupe, I guess, would be a way of talking about, would, would come into a church. Uh, the, the church would spend weeks give, giving tickets away, inviting people to come. And they would do several nights in a row of this presentation. And it would go through and it would present uh, these different scenarios. Like, so someone's in a situation and they die and then, uh, it, if I remember it correctly, uh, you had one side of the, of the stage was basically like hell, and the other side was heaven. And so they would go through all these different uh, scenarios where people would pass away, and they would either go to heaven or go to hell. And heaven was awesome, right? And hell was like, you know, like it was crazy. And um, they would do this for like an hour and a half, and then come out and say, all right, who do I want to go to hell? All right? Uh, so certainly it was done better than that. And, and I don't mean to make light of it because I, there's no doubt that some of you probably came to know Christ at a Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames production uh, at, at that presentation or someone that you know or whatever. And I don't mean to belittle it um, as far as like how, that's, like I said, God can use anything. But here's, the, here's where we as Christians in America have tend to really mess up. We make it all about your eternal destination, Right? We make that's the gospel presentation is if you don't want to go to hell, you need to pray this prayer. And while eternity is certainly a big part of uh, of that, there's so much more to it. And so I had friends in high school who would go to this thing and flood down the aisles, fill out the card, pray the prayer, uh, and then nothing. You know, there's a church here in town that that recorded like thousands and thousands and thousands of salvations from this Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames deal. But in a book their pastor wrote, he was like, you know what we realized? We had no, we had no way, way to follow up with that many people. We didn't understand discipleship. We weren't structured in such a way that we could do anything with these thousands of cards from people that said, I prayed to accept Jesus. So we, were, we just were not ready. The, the harvest was plenty. The laborers were few. Um, and that's a, that's a, that's tough. You know, that's a tough thing, uh, to deal with. And that's what, 
that's some of where like where this is coming from is that we need to we need to be able to um, take people who are brand new to the faith or who have some things that they're trying to learn, and we need to be able to teach and learn from each other. That's a part of how God has put the church together. Um, Jesus says, "Go and make disciples," and that's what we need to do. We need to learn to make disciples. Uh, he says, baptizing them and then teaching them, and that's where we're headed in the next like two weeks. Is what does that really look like? But before that, we have to understand what the yoke is all about. We have to understand that when he says, take my yoke upon you, he's not saying, hey, I want to save you from the eternal fires of hell. I want to save you from that. I want to save you for so much more than that. It's so much more than just scaring people down the aisle. It's so much more than getting people to just pray a prayer. Jesus, Jesus, like there was no sleight of hand when he was, was preaching and teaching and doing ministry. He was very clear about what it means to be one of his disciples. We as Christians, especially in America, a lot of times have watered it down so much because we want results, we want numbers, we want to fill that baptistry up and constantly have people in there. We're all about statistics, and we've figured out that it's pretty easy to get people down the aisle when you scare them to death. And I have a, a, a friend in ministry, and he got to a point where he said, you know what, whenever, any, whenever anyone says they want to become a Christian, I just try and talk them out of it. So I just I just shoot them down and shoot them down and shoot them down. So if, if I can shoot them down in one question, he's like they don't they either don't really mean it or they have no idea what it's really about. And he did this youth rally one time uh, that, and he, he had got all these like construction barricades, and like basically like barricaded the whole front of the thing. And there were like 400 students there, and he gave this invitation and. Uh, there were barricades everywhere, and there's like a couple layers of them, and then up and down the aisles to where like they had to like crawl over stuff to get to it, you know. And his point was, I'm, I'm going to make it really difficult for you because Jesus is very clear that it's not, uh, it's not about that. It's about something much more detailed. So when it comes to the yoke and discipleship, when it, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to know exactly what that means. So Luke 9, 23 Jesus is incredibly clear. Um, he sums up the cost of discipleship in this way. And you, maybe you know this verse. I've talked about it many times. Um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And we're going to leave that up on the, on the screen. And we're just going to pick this verse apart. But life in the yoke says, if you want to take my yoke upon you, um, there's more to it than avoiding the flames of hell and entering through the gates of heaven. It's about more than just a prayer you recite and checking a box on a card. And you will lose everything. That gospel doesn't sell very well. doesn't sell a lot of books. doesn't give a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings. It doesn't flood the aisles. Um, but it's true. And it's good. And so let's, let's pick this apart just a little bit. So when he says, uh, if anyone would come after me, you've probably heard me talk about this a little bit, but just so they're all on the same page. Um, coming after Jesus, Jesus was a rabbi. And that's a, a part of Jewish culture is you would, you would come after a rabbi. So after you, um, when, a, when a boy, uh, he grew up going, going to temple and having all the learning at home and everything, he would have his bar mitzvah. And then uh, after his bar mitzvah, he would 
uh, his goal was to go and study with a rabbi. So he would find a rabbi that he respected, that he wanted to, uh, to like come after, and he would approach him. Now, that's a big part of it is you look around, you're like, who do, who do I want to imitate? Who do I want to become? I want to come, become just like this particular rabbi. And so the boy got to select out of all the ones who were around. So the boy would, would find one. He would approach the rabbi. Uh, they, would, they would have a meeting. The rabbi would sit down and begin to question over and over and over. Just all these questions all about the scriptures and uh, just every, everything you can imagine. Because this rabbi wants to see if this boy is good enough to follow him, to come after him. And if the boy meets the rabbi's approval, then he says, okay, you can come after me. You can join my group of disciples. Um, and if the rabbi says no, he says, sorry, this is not going to work. The boy then returns to the family business and becomes a part of whatever his family does for a living. Um, so that's kind of how it works. Uh, next week we'll talk about the significance of the fact that Jesus' disciples were all in the family business when he went after them. Uh, they had been told they weren't good enough. Here's a preview. They, were, they had already been told that they weren't good enough, and he went after them. Um, if they were considered good enough, they would then follow after the rabbi, and we'll talk about what that means here in just a second. So what Jesus is doing, the significance of this, if anyone would come after me, he's, he's doing something that rabbis did not do. Um, he's opening it up. He's opening it up to anyone. So if we want to go very literally with this, this includes Gentiles, right? Non-Jewish people who wanted to come after him. That was unheard of at that time. He's opening it up to women. That's unheard of at the time. He's opening it up to anyone who is willing to... um, Consider the cost and said, it's worth it to me to follow after this rabbi. Anybody who's willing to do what he says he needs, like what he says is what it takes, like you're in. So it's wide, wide open. So that's, that's really, really significant that Jesus says this. But it's what he says next that really like packs quite a punch. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, here's all you got to do. Uh, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily, follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. Um, so deny himself, what is, what is that? What does that mean? It's like, oh, you got you to gotta do without some stuff. It's like, no, it's, it's more than that. Um, when you deny yourself, uh, you're essentially, you're saying that your entire life is no longer, it's not about you anymore. It's about, it's about your Lord, ultimately. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, cool. It's like, no, no, no. We need to really understand that when he invites you into the yoke, so when you enter into this yoke with me, um, it's not about you anymore. You're not the center of the universe. Your life does not revolve around your needs and wants and desires. Nothing is about you anymore. It's only, it's only about... God now. So you want to come after me? All right, it can't. It's not about you anymore. Um, we are. I wrote down this. 
It's about relinquishing control and surrendering everything. When you deny yourself, you're saying, all right, not only is it not about me, but I'm not in control of it either. You know, when you're yoked with Christ, when you get into this yoke, if he's going, if he's going forward, he's dragging you with him. And so you can sit there and scream and holler and whatever, and he's going to, like, it doesn't whatever. You can, like, dead weight yourself or whatever, and he, he's dragging you. He's because it's not about you anymore. You are relinquishing control of your life. If you want to go right and he wants to go left, guess which way you're going? You're going left. Because you're saying, it's not about me anymore, it's about you, and I relinquish control, and I surrender everything to you. So it's not about you when it comes to how you spend your time. It's not about you when it comes to how you, how you, what you do with your money. It's not about you when it comes to choosing a career or a spouse or a family or whatever. It's not, it's not up to you in that sense. And I'm not saying we don't have choices. We do have, of course we have choices. And those choices make a, absolutely make a difference. They matter and they, um, they alter the course of things sometimes and we can fight him in this yoke. And there are times when he's wanting to go right, we're wanting to go left, and we're pulling, pulling, pulling. And if, if things end up going left, it's because he's like, all right, we'll go left. That's cool. It's not because you, you are stronger than him. It's not because you broke out of the yoke. If you go left, it's because he's letting you go left. He's like, okay. But he's always with you, right? He's always there. It's like, all right, we'll go left for a little while, but... You're going to realize that that's empty and then we're going to end up going right like I wanted to, you know. So if you want to put the energy and the whatever, it's going to, there's a lot of pain to the left. You know, there's a lot of heartache over there. We don't need to go there. Um, that's his sovereign control as to, to let you go or to go with you. But we're saying when you, we enter into the yoke, I'm going to learn to live a life that isn't centered around me. It's about the Lord first. It's about considering the needs of others ahead of my own. It's about him. It's about other people. And when that's happening, like you, what we learn over time is that, see, we, we win that way. Like that's, at first it feels like, oh, we're giving up everything. It's like, yeah, you are giving up everything, but you're gaining, you're gaining him. And when you gain him, you have everything that you really needed in the first place. And so when we, when we give an invitation to people, it should be about that, you know. It's like, hey, who wants to get saved? You've got to give up everything, by the way. Make, make, make no mistake about it. Your entire life stops being yours because uh, he bought you with the price. Your life is not your own anymore. So when you come into the yoke with him, that's part of it. That's following Jesus 101 is it's not about you anymore. And, you know, we should, we should be maturing in this the longer we walk with him. This should be like, I don't have a better way to say it. You should be getting better at this. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and your prayer request every single week in community group is like, yeah, I've just been really self-centered. I've just been really self-centered. I've just been really self-centered. That's a problem. That's a problem. There's, there's a deficiency in your discipleship somewhere. And so what do you do about that? Well, you come to Jesus and you're like, hey, I, know, I, I don't think I understand this. And you let him 
train you in godliness in that way. And you also look around your life, like, who do I know that's just really selfless? You set up some time with them, and you're like, hey, I, just, I love this about your life, and I want to learn how you got to be that way. So how do you, how do you change the fact that sometimes we, we are, we've not learned to deny ourselves in the, to the depths that we should have yet? Well, you learn it in the yoke with Jesus and with other people. That's where the change happens. He teaches us how to think and how to, it's transformed by the renewal of our minds. That's where it all comes down to. So de- denying ourselves, that's, that's, I mean, that's basic, basic, basic. Now, when I say we should, we should be making progress in this, all right, if, if you're new to the faith, uh, Jesus knows that you're new to the faith. You've been walking with him for a long, long time, and this hasn't this like this fruit has not come in your life. You've not produced that uh, yet. Then he knows that too. And there's a lot of grace, in, of course, in both situations. Um, but we learn to deny ourselves. So that's major part of what life in the yoke looks like. If anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself. This, the next thing. Uh, take up his cross daily. Uh, this, uh, I'm not sure where I got this from. I don't think it was from me. Uh, but maybe. I don't know. Um, then it's obedience no matter what it costs you. It's obedience no matter what it costs you. So take up his cross daily. Taking up your cross is, is obviously pointing to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins as an act of obedience to glorify the Father, um, him being our substitute uh, for the sins of all of us. Uh, that's what he's pointing toward, that um, like, as, as obedient steps at the Father's leadership. And so life in the yoke also means that you take up your cross daily, that there's obedience no matter, no matter what it costs us, uh, that we're freely following him, that there's a freedom to just be obedient, to do the things we need to do. Um, when, when the first part of this is happening, when we're learning to deny ourselves, then taking up our crosses every day, uh, obedience no matter what it costs us, even to the point of death, okay, then that makes a lot more sense when you've denied yourself. Right? When you're learning, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. When we're being, we're being healed of that like, narcissistic leaning, uh, you're, you're, you're no longer leaning away from, leaning toward yourself, and now you're leaning toward Christ in all things. And then when he's calling you to, into obedience, and it's going to cost something, then it makes a lot more sense. When you're focused on yourself, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, why should I do that? Because then, this, you know, whatever. But when your life leans toward him and he's calling you obediently and you're like, man, that's going to be very costly, but I love it. Wouldn't have it any other way. You know, they, they work together, of course. And so we follow him freely. And the, the fact that the word daily is in there really tells us something significant. Uh, it's, it's not just... Um, like taking up your cross at obedience no matter what it costs us, uh, it's not um, occasional, and it's not selective. 
it's this lifestyle that he cultivates in us. Because within each day, there, each day is filled with obedient steps that require self-sacrifice, every bit of it. Now, some days it's more obvious, maybe more intense, and certainly more costly than others. But within each day, don't we, don't we take those steps that do cost us something? It may cost us time, it may cost us money, it may cost us uh, feeling comfortable, you know, it may push us into like awkward situations or it may, it may do this or this or this or whatever. Um, some days it's those kind of, of costs. And then the other extreme would be maybe it costing you your very life. You know, maybe you're martyred for your faith. Uh, somewhere in there, though, at each day we're going about, and it's when you when you give yourself to like when someone needs your help and you help them, that's time away from yourself, or maybe sometimes away from your family for that. There's there's cost that's involved, um, you know, all those kinds of things. So this daily deal, it's it's pointing to the fact that it's not occasional and it's not selective. That this is every day. This is just how we go about our lives is whether, you, um, whether you're working, whether you're searching for a job, whether you're a student, whether you're uh, staying at home with the kids, whether, no, it doesn't really matter, you're retired, whatever it is, you're going through your day and you're living it as Jesus would live your life. A life that is not centered on yourself, but centered on the Father and those that he loves. A life that has lived in obedience, whatever it costs me in this moment or throughout this day, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in it. That's what life in the yoke is training us to do. Is It's not like, oh, all right, I'm going to get in the yoke for a little while, a couple hours and whatever, and then I'm going to get out of the yoke and go do whatever the heck I want. It's like, no, 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 no. You get in the yoke, you're in the yoke. You don't get out of the yoke. You're in it. He's training us in a lifestyle um, I was reading this book, uh, and Dallas Willard references something that I know I've heard it before, but it's been a, been a while. He talks about uh, vampire Christians who they just want the blood, and that's it. They just want the blood. They want to be forgiven. They want like peace and knowing that should they die, they'll go toward heaven's gates and not hell's not hell's flames. That's what they want. They just want the blood. But they don't want the other stuff. They don't want the self-denial. They don't want the taking up the cross daily. They don't want the like, learning in the yoke. They don't want any of that kind of stuff because they want to be able to do whatever they want. They want to be the centerpiece of the story. They want to do, they want it to all be about them, but they still want the blood. So he calls them vampires. I think that's hilarious. And what's funny when he's talking about it, you know, he says, at what point do we think this is optional? You know, at what point do we, do we think that we could just take the blood but not the yoke. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus never says that. The Bible never says that. But that's kind of become kind of a part of Christianity in America. And I think God is trying to break us of that to help us understand exactly what's going on here, that when we come after him, we come after him. When you put your faith in him as your savior, the yoke is a part of it. And maybe you, maybe you weren't given all the details. Maybe, maybe you're like, hold on, this isn't really what I signed up for. Then you need, you need to talk to the Lord about that. Or you can talk to me about that. That's great. Many of us got into the yoke not realizing a lot of these things. But over time, you, you're in the yoke, you know, and you start to learn it, and you're okay with it, you know. 
If you're not okay with it, let's talk. But if you're okay with it, but that's just not what you were told, then let, let him, that's, what it, that's why we have the scriptures. He's teaching us. Just come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily. And then he says, it's beautiful. He says, just follow me. Just follow me. So what does that mean? Well, we become, we become like the little group of uh, freshly bar mitzvahed Jewish boys. And what do, they, what do they do? I know that's a weird phrase, but I said it. What do they do? They follow the rabbi around all the time. A few years ago, you, you guys were, gave me this beautiful gift of going, uh, sending me to Israel with this group. And uh, you would be anywhere that we went in Israel. Of course, we went to all the, it was all like historic sites. But anywhere you went, there would be a rabbi. And you can just tell, all right? Uh, racial profiling, that's a rabbi, all right? It's okay. Um, he was okay with it. We're okay with it. It's all good. Um, we're like, that's a rabbi. And who's this, who's this like, pack of uh, kids behind him? Well, that, those are his disciples. They're following after him. It still happens today, and it happened back then. So Jesus, he had 12. Uh, he had you know, hundreds, of course, as well. But he had 12 that um, he went after, got them together, and says, you're going to come and follow me, and I'm going to teach you some things. And so his, like, life in the yoke began with these 12. And so what did he do with them? Well, he taught them how to deny themselves and take up their crosses every day, and they learned that by following him. And, there, and there's four big components. So if you're taking notes, there's four big components under follow me that, uh, that his disciples did, that that was a part of the norm now, and it still happens here today. There's four of them. One, uh, they observe. They observe everything that's going on. And so they would, they would watch the rabbi in all these situations. They would watch, like, it's funny, like, when you've seen it, in, like, in action, it's, like, it's, they literally just, they can't take their eyes off of him. They're watching him, they're listening to him talk whether he's teaching them or how he's interacting with other people, that kind of stuff. Um, they're just, they're studying his every move, his every word, his inflection, they're just everything. They're just, com- they're completely caught up in observing him. And that's because they live life with him. They follow everywhere he goes. If he goes to the market to buy some oranges, they go with him to the market to buy some oranges and they watch how he buys oranges. They watch him, they listen to him, they're studying everything. If he has an encounter on the street with someone he knows, they're eavesdropping. That's a part of it. They're learning. They're learning. They're learning. So they observe everything. That's the first one. Uh, They question everything. They ask and ask and ask. You can see it in the the scriptures and the disciples are like, they're asking Jesus these questions. Why couldn't we do this? How do you do this? Teach us to pray. This and this. They're asking all these things. Who's going to be next to you you when you become the king? Like all this kind of stuff. They're filled with questions. When, uh, when I was a little kid, um, I was very inquisitive. And so uh, I asked my dad, like there, there was like, the, say uh, there's like a building with a red flashing light on it. I'm like, well, dad, why is that light flashing? Well, that's the airplanes, helicopters and stuff. Well, anytime, anytime there's something high, you know, that, that's why that light's there. I'm like, okay. Then I would see a red flashing light on something else, like a water tower. I'm like, why is that light flashing? Oh, that's for helicopters and airplanes and things, anything that's high, you know. And then I would see, I don't know, a telephone tower. I'm like, why is that last? He's like, hey, everything you see that's really, really tall, that has a red flashing light on it, it's all for the same purpose, you know. It was very literal. 
I would ask tons of questions. Why this? Why this? Why this? Why this? Why this? Because I was a natural born disciple. All of your kids, all of you that have kids, when they get to that phase where they just ask, why, 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 why? They're built into them. They're learners. They're disciples. That's what we do. And so with, with the Lord, we do the same thing. We ask, we ask, we ask, we ask. Why this? How am I doing with this? What should I do here? All these questions, all these questions, all these questions. So with, they follow after him. They observe. They question. They, uh, the third thing is they imitate. They, they literally try to imitate the rabbi. That's what we're going for. And we watch Jesus in, in his ministry with them. He, he's, he's teaching them. He's modeling it for them. And then he uh, does some ministry side by side with them. And then he sends them out. He's like, I'm going to stay here and you go there. And here's what you need to do. And they go out and they imitate him. And they come back and they're like, we couldn't really do it. And he's like, I know, it's okay. So the fourth thing is they assess. How can I do this better? Um... I want to grow in this. Why, did, why didn't this really work? Why didn't this really work? That's what following after a rabbi entails. You observe, you question, you imitate, then you assess. That's what we do with Christ in the yoke. So you want to follow after me? And that's what, it, that's what it, it means. Is you study me in the scriptures as an individual, as a community. Okay, That's you and the Lord. That's you and your community group. That's us on Sundays. That's where all that's happening. Right? We study him. We learn. We ask questions, that's you praying. We imitate, that's us living life, you know, trying, trying, trying. And we assess, that's us coming to the Lord, be like, why was I such a disaster today at patience? I don't understand. We assess with each other. You know, you're probably not a good read on yourself. So you have those people that you walk closely with and you're like, hey, would you tell me something? Would you, do you think I'm growing in, uh, in like, denial of myself or do you think I'm I'm just completely treading water like have you seen progress in that or no you have the courage to ask those questions and you have the courage to answer honestly when your friends ask you that you know so Jesus says you want to get in the yoke Here, here's what it involves it's not about you anymore it's obedience no matter what it costs you and then you, you gotta you gotta study me you gotta observe and ask questions and imitate me and let me lead you in assessment and learn from me this kind of life Learn from me this kind of life. Because you know what? We look at this verse, that's what he's teaching you. Like I said earlier, that doesn't make people want to run down the aisles. It doesn't make people quick to sign a, a card or whatever. But that's what life in the yoke means. So to me, it makes perfect sense why he not only gave us Christ in us, the hope of glory, but also put us in family together. Because, man, we gotta, we got to learn from him and from each other. And so next week, we're going to move into some of the, the lies and misbeliefs that keep us from uh, this kind of a relationship with one another. But I want you to turn just a, just a few more uh, chapters. Go to Luke 14. I want to read this as we close. This is what he's cultivating in us. Luke chapter 14. Starting in 25. This is similar, but it's kind of different. Now great crowds accompanied him, 
And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That sounds like really harsh, right? Um, so hate right there is not not our kind of hate. He's really, he's talking about like, um, he's basically saying if you love, if you have a relational attachment that is of more value than your connection to me, then you aren't ready yet. So hate, that translation into English is kind of, kind of harsh. That's what he's saying. He's like, I'm great. Your, your connection to me is greater than your connection to any other person. That's, that's intense. Keep in mind, you, we learn that. We learn that. When he says you're not fit to be my disciple, you know there's a part of getting in the yoke because you realize you're not fit to be his disciple? You're saying like, I can't do that, so I need to learn how to do that. I'm not there. He's not saying before you get in the yoke, you got to get there. He's saying, no, no, you get in the yoke and I'll teach you how to do that. I'll bring you to that point. And I think some of you who've walked with the Lord a long time understand that. You understand that. And we're learning that together. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who seek it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. He's saying, you need to think about this. He's not saying you have to already be perfect to get, to get in. You have to understand that you're not perfect and see the invitation to get into the yoke, to come to him and to learn from him. And what he teaches is self-denial. The will of the Father, no matter what it costs us. All through following after him in the ways that we talked about. That that is discipleship. So we're called to experience that, and we're also called to train others in that as well. So the invitation to come and learn from Christ, it, it just gets better. It just gets better. But he's saying, like, hey, don't be, don't be foolish and refuse to count the, the cost and consider that this is, this is going to cost you some things, but what you will gain, what you will gain is far, far greater. Let's, let's pray together. Let's let's stand and pray. How about that? And as these guys come back up, uh, just think for a second. Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads.
Let's just think for a second. Let's think about his invitation to us. It's the significance that he looks at you and says, come to me, come and learn from me. Then Jesus would leave heaven and not grasp on so tightly to his entitlement as the son he would deny himself and come to earth be born and have to endure life here facing all the same temptations that we face putting up with all the aftershocks of sin and saying no to temptation over and over and over again so that he could obediently follow God's plan forward. That he would take up his own cross and it's the greatest act of love and obedience die for our sins as our substitute and then send the Spirit so that we could be empowered to live a life that we could not live. Interceding for us right now in this moment. And so he gets word to us, inviting us into a yoke, inviting us into a relationship where he has done the work and is ready to teach us what living in the kingdom looks like and sounds like and feels like and what true freedom is. He's ready to teach you and to teach me how to deny ourselves and how the cost of our obedience far out is is just nothing compared to the gain of pleasing the Father. That He says, just come to me. I'll teach you and you'll learn. God, I thank you on behalf of us all for uh, for such an invitation. It's filled with so much grace and so much love. We thank you that you, you didn't tell us that we have to get everything straight and perfect before we can know you. That you say, come just as you are. But you also promise us that we won't stay like we are. That in the yoke there is learning and there is transformation and there is growth and there is a maturity in the faith. It it takes time and it is work, but you are our good shepherd, our, our the perfect teacher. So will you help us to understand the significance of this invitation. So we know that all this was driven by love. And it wasn't 
but it was your plan to love us in these ways. And so I pray that you would help us in our in our growth and in our understanding of exactly what is in front of us. Pray that you would spark something in us, that you would give us a drive, that we would not settle, that we wouldn't ease into this groove of just thinking that it's okay to still build everything around ourselves, or that it's okay to refuse obedience, or that it's okay to to say no to following you in those ways, that we don't have to observe or ask or imitate or assess. Will you help us? We don't want to settle. This, this isn't a game. It's not an optional deal. This is a part of it. And we, you know that we, we really want it. We do. But we can't do it on our own. And so... We know that you freed us from our self-reliance. We just need to learn in the yoke how to live in such a way. So help us begin, Father, by loving you. All right, let's sing a little bit.